Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. My name is Julie Jancis, and I'm your host. Today, we are talking about wills and trust. Why? Because in the business that I work in every day, there are so many people who deal with this, and a lot of times what I see is that it's not done in a way that is, shall I say, emotionally healthy, and perhaps even we could, if we knew more, do things in a way that just set up the people that we're leaving behind in a way that benefits them to the greatest degree. So when my dad passed away, and I I know I've talked about this before a little bit, what you don't know is that he left behind two sons that were underage. And he had three marriages. In his second marriage, he had his sons. And in the divorce, there was a legal document stating that in the case of my father's passing, those boys would get $200,000 to use for their college, to use to get them grown until they were 18. Well, because my dad was a federal employee, and I don't know if that's really the true reason, that's just what I was told, what happened was his third wife did not share the will that he had left with anyone. He didn't share his will with anyone else, and so his third wife, we don't know if she took it and chucked it in the fire. Uh, We don't know what happened, but we do know because she told us of her own words that there were letters for my sister, myself, my brothers, and those letters were never received by any of us. Um, there was supposed to be mementos that were given to us that wasn't received. And um, it has been, I, I, they have spent over $10,000, it might be 15, it might be 20, fighting this. Um, I have not fought any of it myself, but you can spend a lot of money in these situations. It's very hurtful, it's very painful. There are other situations that I've dealt with with my clients where they come in and they'll say, you know, my sister took everything. She went into the house and she took all of the possessions out that I had wanted. There are other situations where money is just not distributed the way that they thought the parents should have distributed it. So there's a lot of hurt. There can be a lot of pain in these different situations. And I wanted to bring in my personal lawyer. I'm not getting any kickbacks from this. Um, I just wanted to bring her on because she is so trustworthy. We had gone through a different lawyer before to do our will and trust, and when we brought it to her for updates, she said, ah, there had been so many things done wrong. So um, welcome Liz Jerkasek. She is a lawyer in the state of Illinois, and I highly, highly recommend her. Liz, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure, Julie, and thank you for asking me to join you today. I'm a sole practitioner in Illinois. My office is in Chicago. I've been an attorney for 28 years, and my area of practice tends to be in small with uh, small business owners, and uh, as well as I, I also do estate planning um, for you know all kinds of different people from you know all levels of of our society. So that's who I am, and that's what I do. 
That's wonderful, Liz. So can you talk to our listeners about what is the difference between a will and a trust? And what do people want to have set up um, and why? Well, Julie, the difference between a will and a trust, I don't want to go through, and I'm sure no one wants to hear about, you know, an entire semester of estate planning in law school, but there, there are two different documents. However, they can be the same. So this can be kind of complicated, but very simply. I look at a will as a way to give away the stuff you can touch. Your collections, your clothing, your car, that kind of thing. A trust generally covers a much um, broader group of assets and items. So a trust can be used to help uh, an individual who's, say, going through a, a physical situation or getting older and they need help and they have a, a person appointed to help pay their bills and their expenses, and then after death, those um, all of those assets are distributed. Going back to a will, a will is just when you pass away, where does your stuff go? Okay, mm-hmm. so, so the, the spillover is that a trust really can last a lot longer. Number two... Um, A trust also is a little more, I would call it flexible, and really flexible isn't the right word, but let's use that one. So uh, a trust can be used to cover situations where if you have a family member um, who has um, some sort of illness or you have a child who has some sort of condition, you can provide for their care and comfort for a very long period of time. Also, a trust generally can be, and again, there's rules on this, multi-generational. So you can cover your grandchildren um, and possibly possibly even uh, a fourth generation. Now, a will can do some of this, so I don't want to get confused, but generally a will just covers the here and now and upon the death of the person who made the will, that's when all the stuff goes out. Does this make sense? It does. Here's the problem that I see that people just don't understand. With a will, I it's not uncommon for me to have people coming into my office and they say, you know, my mom or my dad passed away five years ago or so-and-so passed away five years ago, six years ago, and the will is still not wrapped up because when the will um, has different people going at it for different things, what happens is it goes to probate. Is that correct? And it can get stuck in probate for four, five, six years easy. Correct. And that's really one of the, what I would call, you know, best reasons to invest in having a trust. Because in the what we do with a will is we, again, we provide for, say, custody of children. We provide for your final wishes. This is all in the will. And we provide for the distribution of what I just said, your tangible assets. And then, uh, you know, what a good trust should say, and then all other assets uh, I give, devise, and decrease into, you know, the the Liz Jerkasek Living Trust Agreement dated, you know, October 1st, 2019. And then that means all of the other assets that aren't like touchable ones go by way of the trust. Now the trust, you know, you don't you don't probate a trust. 
A trust is just an, it's really a business agreement that says, here's going to be the people that are my, um, my caretakers, and this is what I want done with my stuff. Absolutely removes all the assets that come under it out of probate. So you're right, Julie, with a trust, Again, you know, nothing is for nothing is guaranteed in this life. But generally, a trust is that umbrella umbrella of protection to save assets and ensure, hopefully, that they go to the people who are supposed to receive them. Yeah, that makes total sense. The other thing that I don't think that people know is just how much money it can cost to go through probate. So if you have a will, let's say you have children from a previous marriage and you want to ensure that those kids are going to get what they are owed by the previous spouse, if you have a trust or that other spouse has a trust, then um, you're not paying thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars during probate. So with a will, think will equals probate equals lawyer for five, six years equals, you know, tens upon tens of thousands of dollars, right? Um, and a will might cost you less up front, and a trust might cost a little bit more, but in the long run, it seems like you would be saving so much money to have a trust because it's open and closed, what, within like a month? Yeah, and so that can be true, but of course there can be shenanigans in a trust. Right, but in, in in the will, really, what you're doing is you're just saying you're going to pay my final expenses. Here are going to be my um, successor um, executors of my estate, my, the people who are going to manage everything, one, usually one person at a time. Now, you have to remember this area of law is it's found money. So you you give somebody, and it doesn't matter whether it's twenty. You know, $10,000, $20,000, or $20 million. To some people, it's found money. So I think the question that you're asking, and I, I sort of agree with you, is that where, where will the person who is, who is doing the estate planning have sort of the most comfort that their wishes will be followed? But in a will, you know, it goes to probate, so you've got a judge on your side trying to ensure that the assets are distributed and the debts are paid. In a trust, you have or you have just the successor um, trustees who you know, are, are managing uh, your estate after death. So I, I don't want to give you the impression that it's, it's foolproof. It just seems to me, and I, I do agree with you, that with a trust, you have an added level of protection because a trustee has to give reports. They have to give at least annual reports to the person who they're managing the trust for and then upon that person's death to the beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. And everything is supposed to match up and add up. Now, gotcha. I so I think, you know, when you add it up, I, I agree with you that for some people who can afford it, a trust will give an added level of protection. Now, in the instance of children from prior marriages, it's really hard to say what is the best strategy. Should it be life insurance? Maybe. Should it be a separate asset? Because to make this whole discussion yet more complicated, there's something called will substitute. So let's say that 
you know, in the case of, say, your father, he was, you know, adamant about protecting everyone. An option for him would have been to set up an IRA for himself and then provide that, you know, in the contract that upon his death, this IRA, you know, whether it's at Fidelity or, you know, uh, Charles Schwab, that that asset goes to and then his children. So that asset takes those, all that money, it does not go by way of the will. It does not go by way of a trust. The money goes boom next day, you know, with a present, a presentment of a, a will and a death certificate to the people who are named on that account. So, you know, but you have to talk to a lawyer. You know, you have to, this, this is, a, this is a conversation you want to have. And you want to have it on some level, not, not really latent, but on some level with the people with whom you're leaving behind. A spouse, um, children from a, a prior marriage if they're old enough, so that everyone kind of understands what the plan is. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, and I think one of the hardest things that I see with the couples that I work with um, is that the primary reason that a will or trust does not get done with couples who have children is a lot of times they can't end up deciding on, there's a lot of tension in deciding on who the children would go with. Do you see that? This is, the the number is in the double digits, and I don't have the exact number, but it is greater than 30%. That's the last time I looked at the statistics. And this this is an issue, right? So people don't, Necessarily want you know, the husband's the husband's family to have so, we'll call it sole custody of the children, or the wife's family to have sole custody of the children. To which I say again, talk to a lawyer. There could be a way, and what I usually recommend is people take and divide up the job. You can divide up the job of, of guardian of the children into two jobs. The first job should be you know, guardian of the money, right? And the second one is the guardian of the of the children, physical custody. So in that way, the two families are still involved. And by dividing up the job, you also, I would think, ensure that there's, again, this is, a, again, a fiduciary relationship for both families to have to have contact with each other and provide for the care and provide for the financial reporting so that the children are cared for. So um, there are, again, solutions to this, uh, and it is, it is very tragic when people can't sit down and say, okay, let's, let's divide the jobs up. Right. Yeah. Well, and what I see in my job, too, um, in working with spirit, is just that, you know, um, we like to think about it in terms of black and white, but there's really two things that we find opposing that are true at the same time for spirit, which is uh, a lot of times we like to hear, think on earth that everything is divinely timed and that everything happens for a reason. And there's a lot of cases where that's true. However, we do have free will here on earth and there are accidents. There are a lot of things where your soul, uh, there's a plan for your soul here, and 
even though it's um, not something that we want to go through here on, in life, it's something that helps our soul to learn and grow. But because we have free will, there are accidents here that happen, and we just want our loved ones to be set up for the best case scenario. And I've seen couples drag their feet. I know Blake and I did for a while, um, but for over two, three years and not having something set up, because they just couldn't figure out who they wanted the person to be. And it gives me so much anxiety because um, I just want every child to be set up, right? Of course. And, and again, this is, an extreme, this is probably, for people under 50, this is probably the number one reason they can't bring themselves to, to approach an estate plan. Because they don't want the fight. They don't want the anxiety. And quite frankly, I think that people think, well, if we approach this topic, we're, we're inviting this to our doorstep. And that's, that is the farthest thing from the truth. And I, as I said, I've been doing this 28 years. This has never happened where somebody has come to me and say, you know, I want to do a will. And then in, a year later, they like, they perish. You know, it really, <laughs> right. So, I mean, I unfortunately didn't, it's sad times where I've had to go to hospitals and help people, you know, sign final documents. But I'm talking about where people are just like making an initial plan. So this is something that I think that you have to think about really. I think people who have experienced great loss can understand what happens when this is not done. And right. and But if you have never experienced a great loss, it's kind of hard to wrap around how you can deal with the fact of, you know, this person in your life passing and leaving you with, you know, five banker boxes to sort through. If you're lucky, they're in banker boxes to sort yeah. through and understand while you're grieving and you're just trying to breathe to get through the next hour. Right. Right. And, right. and that's, that's exactly what, uh, you know, I've experienced and, and people that I care about have experienced. You can't, you can barely breathe. And it takes months to get to beyond that. Meanwhile, you know, things are happening very rapidly out in the in the real world with bills having to be paid and assets having to be managed. So you, you really have to take a moment and think about the people you care about and go, what, what is the, the most realistic solution here if something happens to me? The, the other thing I, I want to say is that people think that there's there's going to be one will throughout their entire life or there's going to be one trust. Really, this is just not, I don't think it's possible because unless you're, you know, one of those lucky people who say as a woman you can wear a size 8 at 18 and you're still wearing a size 8 at, at 70, you know, that's wonderful. But most women aren't wearing a size 8 <laughs> at size 70, you know, really. So things change. So... The will that you create at, say, 30 or 35 can be changed with a codicil. Um, a trust that you create can be changed and modified with a trust agreement. And you shouldn't be afraid to, to switch things up and change them and to change people as different people come into your life or, or people who you have a better comfort level with. So you, you don't feel stuck like, oh, these are the people I'm picking and, you know, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? Well, you can make yeah. a change, and it's not expensive, and it's really quite easy to do. 
Well, let's talk about that because Blake and I really overpaid and we didn't know that we overpaid um, when we first did our will and trust. And I think we paid over $3,000 for it. What is typical to pay for a will and trust to be done? Okay, so let's talk about what I would call like the average person, say in their mid-30s, with maybe a couple IRAs, uh, accounts, uh, maybe some benefits through work, a house, right, a, a couple, maybe a bank account or just some like rainy day fund kind of things, and then regular assets, okay? So this, I think, describes the most people we could put into this group. Sure. The average, the if, and you have a couple, right? Now, this is my thought process on this. If I'm doing a trust for a couple, yes, I'm doing like two different trusts, but really it's one trust. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm just basically, you know, find and replace names to change the gender and change the names of the people that I'm doing the trust for. I'm doing it one time. So I think that you generally, for this kind of estate plan, you would be looking basically to do a will and a trust, and all the powers of attorney, because we haven't spoke about those, because those are important too, um, a healthcare power of attorney, Um, you would be looking at, I would say, for a couple, probably about two grand to $2,500 on average. Yeah. And like I said, it includes the wills, and it includes a healthcare power of attorney. Right. So t- tell us what that power of attorney is, because some people don't know. But this comes up all the time in my sessions, too, where something happens to somebody and uh, the power of attorney has to step in. Some people don't even know what that is, though. Well, in Illinois, there's two kinds of powers of attorney. There's a power of attorney for property, and there's a power of attorney for health care. Now, the healthcare power of attorney is just what it sounds like. It's for those, well, two great points, I guess. When you have a, a serious situation, whether it's an operation or an illness, and you are not, you, the individual, are not able to make decisions regarding what treatment should come next. So you appoint somebody to be your agent, and if you're, you know, able to, to appoint more than one person to act you know, consecutively, not together, so that you have a backup plan of people who will stand by you. And let's let's be honest, I, I would say be your advocate and your ugly advocate. You want somebody who is strong and who is clear in their mind what your wishes are. So, you know, they can get access to your health care records. They can check you out of whatever facility you're at if they're unhappy. And you want somebody who is is you know, strong and, and really, as I say, kind of a loud mouth in some respects. Um, that's the healthcare power of attorney. And when that is signed, that is generally good until the very end of your life. Now, it is not, and I want to be clear on this, a healthcare power of attorney is not an end-of-life decision. Um, those documents are very unique in Illinois. And right now, as I understand it, only a doctor can can give you the form and agree to, like this is the point where you know I agree you do not you should not be resuscitated. Okay, that's the one main one. The other one that exists in Illinois is called a, a property power of attorney. Now, 
there's an instance that you may not need a trust or you want, you know, extra, you know, extra coverage with your family members, you can appoint somebody while you're alive to document um, the property power of attorney is only good during the person's life to make financial decisions, to go to the bank for you, to withdraw money, to deposit money, to deal with your Social Security, to deal with your Medicare, to deal with your IRAs, to deal with all of your accounts, uh, to sell your property, to buy property for you, to give gifts. That's a durable power of attorney for property. And that, um, that is a very powerful document because this is the keys to the kingdom where you are saying, you can step in my shoes and make any decision, and I trust you to make the proper decision. Um, that's un, uh, that's another document that could be very important. Now, let's say that you know you're not in a position to do a trust, okay, and you have a will, okay, and then we would do the powers of attorney for you. Now, the next question is, do you own real estate? Because really, this is the next question that I think if I were to give, uh, you know, a test in, in estate planning, this drives everything. What happens to the house? You cannot, under Illinois law, transfer a home by way of a will. The only way to transfer a property, real property, in Illinois is by way of a deed. So, but isn't the will in the deed? Or um, the deed no. in the will? No. Okay. That's not Explain true. This. So, right. So, you know, when you have a couple, typically and you own the real estate, um, you know, as joint tenants or, or say, there's different ways to hold property, but let's just say jointly. Now, frequently we get a situation where one of the parties has passed away. So now we have a, a question in our head. What happens when that survivor is going to pass? And so this is... You know, you think, well, I've got a will and I've got powers of attorney. I'm now, you know, air quote safe. Not necessarily true with the real estate because this can push you into probate. Although they're trying, I will tell you that there's there's always change afoot to change this stack in Illinois to make it a little simpler because this is what tips many, 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 many families into having to go, take an estate through probate is because there's a deed and the last person on the will, as they were jointly, has now passed. The solution to this is to circle back to the first part of our conversation and have a trust. Because by putting the real estate into a trust, you then ensure that the property can be sold, the proceeds can be divided among the people in the trust. You cannot do that in a will. I, I have seen this before, and I've seen it a lot of times where let's say there's two, three plus siblings, and um, the house ends up going to probate, and one of the siblings, it never fails, will drag their feet, male or female, and they are so sentimental, and they do not want to sell this house. They're not ready to sell the house. There's too many emotions associated with this house that they grew up in. And now you're stuck paying for the house because one person won't sign over. Um, have you seen this before? What's going on there? And and it seems like in those scenarios, I've talked to a lot of families where they're losing a lot of money because this house is draining it. 
Well, and that can happen, and it can happen when there's a trust as well, right? Because really the trust provides that upon the death of the last of the spouses, the home is to be, the home is to be sold, and the proceeds divided among the the children, the siblings. Well, that situation is a very hard situation because, quite honestly, you know th- this person has to whether it's through therapy or through some family discussion understand that at the end of the day this is this is property and it has to be it has to be liquidated so again you know a court can be involved just in that kind of dispute and, and quite frankly and I mean I bet all your listeners you know can point to experiences they have had where there's always that one family member who, boy, their fingers are very slippery and you don't know, you know, are they being honest, are they being truthful? And that's a whole other situation that can arise. Is there a proper accounting? And, you know, you have to be very, very careful uh, in, in staying involved when, a, when an estate is being uh, handled to know, am I getting fair and truthful documents? regarding how this estate is being managed. Is it better in those situations for everyone to just have their own lawyer, even if everybody is friendly and lovey with one another? It just seems like uh, it's a really hard situation. Well, let's go to the hypothetical where we were talking about where there were, say, a couple siblings who are, you know, well, it's time to sell this house, and then the one sibling has got a holdout. I think that sibling is going to have to get an is or her own attorney because in that situation, the attorney hopefully will be ethical enough to say, you know, you're going to lose. There's you're not. There's no way to hold on to this house. In fact, if you can continue blocking this, there could be repercussions for you for having to pay back your siblings for you know wasting. It's called waste. Wasting the asset. So, and I think an attorney also has an obligation when they have a group of attorneys, a group of clients, excuse me, and there is conflict to um, tell that uh, that that one client they they need to seek other counsel. Um, a lot of times, I'm, I'm sure if people have met attorneys, they like to think that they can solve all problems, but really some problems are just not solvable, and you have to step up and do what's best and tell the client. Uh, this person is going to have to have a separate attorney because it's it's just not going to move forward. I I'm always of the mindset that you know three attorneys are worse than one attorney handling a matter. It would be <laughs> nice if everybody can if, if everyone could work uh, well together. And in many cases, people do. That's good. And but you know, sure as heaven and earth, there's uh, going to be a situation where somebody. It's just not going to be happy no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's very tragic. What about those situations? Because the, the other big thing that comes up all the time for me is somebody will come in, and when I do my readings list, people are on a massage table, and I'm going through their chakra and their auric field, and I'm doing energy healing while I'm bringing through their messages. Sometimes you get to the heart chakra, and there's so much pain because, let's say, um, you know, two siblings really wanted mom's earrings or mom's watch, and one sibling just went into the house and took it. 
how does that work? What are like, how do you go about that? You know, and, and then you get into a hard situation with your sibling of, um, well, what do you even say, you know, to them? I wanted that, you know, uh, I don't know how the correct way to go about it is. Well, and yeah, let me just say, too, there's so much grief at that time, too, yeah. right? I mean, one sibling might be completely respectful and let's not touch anything, you know, let's just, their their mind is in grief and somebody just goes in and starts clearing everything out. Well, this happens certainly, right, because that's that's usually a dynamic that occurs in most families. I bet, again, this is a very common situation. You know, the the appropriate conduct is to go through and do what's called an accounting. And, and even if you think, oh, this is all just a bunch of 50-year-old garbage, you know, really it, it is a moment where people should sit down together and go through everything and figure out, okay, this is the jewelry, this is the artwork, this is the whatever, and then apportion it. Now, if you have a will, you know, really the per, the, the will should say, you know, my wedding ring to this, you know, my grandmother's earrings to that person, my um, baseball card collection, you know, Yankees to somebody, you know, uh, Chicago Cubs to somebody. You, you can be that detailed in, in your will. Now, what happens when somebody comes in and just says, okay, I'm going to take all the good stuff and leave the 50-year-old garbage for the rest of you three to divide up? Well, that's a big problem, and again, sadly, I mean, we end you end up back in probate, right? Because this is a legitimate fight, and could could bring that person in serious trouble for confiscating things that are not properly uh, given to him or her. That's that's a huge it's a huge problem. Yes. Yeah, and I see that most people don't end up litigating it. They end up bringing it into their heart chakra, and they're just so hurt and so devastated that, you know, they wanted a relic to remember mom or dad by, and now they don't have it. So that's really interesting. What other situations do you see come up a lot that are just, like, common throughout all the people that you work with? What are some good insights that we could give our listeners? Well, really what I think, uh, well, I think the biggest issue is to go back to the situation of what do I do with the house. I will tell you, Illinois has sort of what I would call a new device called a transfer on death instrument. And so the acronym is T-O-D-I. So, again, going in a situation where you have all the things that you can touch, you can give away, and you have a house, you can create the equivalent of a deed now and say, upon the... Death, uh, upon my death, I want my home sold and the, pro- and the proceeds divided among. And you can, there's a, attorneys know how to prepare this document and you record it. And then this is now a new and interesting thing because it will save people, you know, a fair amount of money if they're not going to have, you know, the, the $1,600 as an individual to do a trust or the $2,200, $2,400 as a couple to do a trust. So this is this is one way to get around it. Um, there's also something called a land trust in Illinois. Now this is completely unique to Illinois, and you can set up a trust for just the real estate, and it usually costs about two hundred dollars to set up, and then one hundred dollars forever after. 
And you're going to say to yourself, if you're if you're sharp, but hey, I mean, you know, 16 years, we're already at the point of of a trust. Well, yes, you are, but you know, it's a hundred dollars at a time, and for some people, that's really what they can do. And if that's all that you can do, that's all you can do. And I, I that brings me to a point. You know, I think you have to say to yourself, this is you know a budget that I can manage, and I'm going to go sit down with an attorney, and you're going to hopefully. In, have a strong relationship pretty quickly with that attorney where that attorney can look you in the eye, you know, be confident without being overbearing and speak in plain English. Now, if this is not your experience with your attorney, well, good luck. In Illinois, there's 75,000 attorneys. You can find another one. So you should not feel that you have to be stuck with somebody because your brother, your nephew, your hairdresser, you know, your parents use this attorney all of their lives. Find one that you can work with and be clear on your budget and come to, I think, a closure for you on what you can do to create a plan that works for you. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, too, was when Blake and I were talking to you, one of the things that you didn't like that our past lawyer did was um, she took a copy and kept it on file. Why shouldn't you have your lawyer keep a copy of your will and trust on file? My reasoning for this is because, number one, you could change your will or you could change your trust with a different lawyer. Now you have kind of chaos because the uh, original attorney has the originals. My second problem with this is really from the attorney's position. This is just a nightmare waiting to happen. I mean, again, attorneys do not live into infinity beyond. When that attorney passes away, let's say, you know, they have a a, a box at a bank, what's going to happen? Who's going to go through 50 years of wills that are sitting in that box? This is a potential nightmare and mess. I, I, I really disagree with this practice. Some lawyers do it. Some lawyers don't. The other thing, which I think is a bit unsavory, is that when an attorney finds out, you know, they get the phone call from the family and they're like, oh, yeah, I have to trust the will, you know, they'll go and they'll file the will that they have in their possession um, because a will must be filed within 30 days of death of uh, a deceased in the county where the person died. I think that it becomes then a race to the county recorder to see who has the best or the only will. Because if they find the second will, but they don't find the last will, right, then the second will becomes the will. Right. I I, I think it's kind of sleazy, to be honest with you. Yeah, completely. But I don't think that most people are even aware that that could even happen. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it happens. Yeah. So in my dad's case, because he was a federal employee, what I was told was that the federal court um, supersede or or, are more powerful than the state court, which was handling his divorce with his second wife and had all the paperwork saying that the boy should have gotten money to go to school and just to really live until they were 18. And because um, he was a federal employee, what we didn't know was that the federal court just gave all of his money um benefits of of working you know decades upon decades 
he was he was 59 when he passed and he had been working since he got yeah. like early 20s um everything went to his third wife and they she did not have to pay the $2,000 $200,000 owed to the boys to them uh so she didn't is that really something that happens if you work for a fet, like the the federal government then it can over supersede you know something that happened in a in a previous divorce and overrule well, that's kind of a, it's kind of a it's kind of a difficult question without seeing some of the documents because if say your father's benefits were all done by document where I call will substitutes so a pension um a profit sharing a 401k then they would go directly to the person named is the successor, right? Oh. Um, and that has nothing to do with federal law. That's just, it's a contract. But, you know, what I find suspicious is, and this is true in Illinois, um, even if you have a will and you, say, create the will and you give everything to, say, the third wife, the children have an interest in that estate. And they they have they have a legitimate um, argument to receive assets that are in the estate. Now the problem here is that the federal benefits are if they're if that was all that was there then they're they're gone right really because there there's a contract that says this is all going to the third wife. But again I don't mean to be circular in my logic I'm just talking out loud. The issue is is that there is a a I would imagine certified court document of the divorce that says that upon the death of the, the father, you know, the two children are to be taken care of. And that that's a pretty strong argument to take care of those two children. So there's several avenues without really knowing the case that could be that where this could be challenged. I I I find that, you know, it's it's a very interesting yeah. question you've asked. It is very interesting. And the, the problem, though, is that, you know, for, for middle class, you know, just average middle class people, they don't have $20,000 to spend on a lawyer over, you know, three, right. four, five years. And that's what it's been. Um, just so much money to keep the fight going. Whereas the person who's kind of taken the money and run has all the money in the world to continue to fight it. So, it just feels like in some cases the odds are stacked against you if you don't have this set up right in case of emergency. Right. And as I said, there's se- there there probably were several steps that could have been taken to um, protect the children, particularly the minors. And it's, it's very sad that, again, people don't, you know, they feel like if I go talk to a lawyer, it's going to cost me $500. Well, I don't think that's really, I mean, maybe it's true in some cases, but most lawyers, at least that I know, will have a, a consultation where they will at least look at the documents and then, for no cost, and then maybe say, well, this will take me an hour and it will be, you know, $200, $300. Well, I mean, you're talking about $300 of 200, you're trying to protect $200,000 of assets. I, you know, it's kind of worth right. it, right? Absolutely. You know, and Blake and I, um, 
when my dad passed away, we didn't know either. We didn't know until we went through this just how important it was. So we decided to do the trust um, in addition to the will because, God forbid, if there was an accident that took both Blake and my life, we would want there to be um, some speedy quickness in Al going to somebody and nobody in the family, you know, like fighting um, over who gets her, but just that everything's open and closed so that she has the most safety and security that she can in in this tragedy um, and that she can really go into one home and just stay in one home afterwards. Right, and, well, you know, and, and certainly the other thing is certainly situations can change, right? So, you know, you can have backups to backups. I know that sounds crazy talk, but you can certainly do that because situations can change for people. But um, the custody of, of a minor child is, I think, should have people running to get this resolved and, and to get um, a good will prepared by an attorney. You know, there's, there are will documents to be found on the Internet. I mean, we all can use Google. But you have to ask yourself, is that, you know, did you spend did you spend the money to go to law school to understand the intricacies? Because, <laughs> you know, if you didn't, you really shouldn't, you, sh- you know, and some of them are good, but usually it takes, you know, at least it takes me less than 15 minutes to point the fire bombs that are existing in this Google, you know, search will that you've decided to present me with. So that leads me to another question. You know, it's one thing to decide upon who is going to take the kids if something happens. But then you go to that person and you ask that person, and sometimes they say no. (laughs) And this can be a really hard thing to go through as well. Have you seen that? How How do you work that through with your clients? Well, my suggestion is um, to go, before you do your will, to talk to your family members and, you know, just generally say, you know, we're doing our wills and we want you to be the, um, the custodian of our children and we're going to have, you know, person, this other person be custodian of the money so both families will hopefully be involved. Um, is that something that we could we could have you do? And I, you have to have that conversation uh, because you don't. Again, this is back to probate. If that person you know can't do it or won't do it, then you know the court has to decide who will step up and be the, the custodian of the minor children. And that could be heartbreaking, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Liz, I think you've given everybody so much valuable information today. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. If people have questions for you, if they want to reach out to you, if they live in Illinois, how do they reach you? Well, uh, the best way to reach me is via email, and I have a website. So you can read more about me on my website, so I will give you that address. It starts, of course, with triple W, Liz Law. Chicago.com. That's my website. To reach me via email, that is E J L A W, the number one. So it's E J Law One at AOL.com. That's perfect. And we'll include all of that in the show notes 
below. So if you're looking to get a hold of Liz, just look in the show notes and we will help you with that. Everyone, if you could be an angel and share this with someone in your life who needs this information in order to protect the people that they love, um, please share it with them because not everybody knows this information. I know that when it really gets down to talking about a will and trust, it can be uncomfortable, but um, it's so much more beneficial for us as the adults, as the parents, to um, be uncomfortable here and now instead of putting our loved ones through an added tragedy of not only losing us at some point, but then also having to go through the tremendous turmoil of figuring all of this out, having to deal with lawyers, going through probate for years on end, and spending more money than you can imagine. If this information and this podcast is something that resonates with you, um, please leave us a five-star positive review and we will enter you into a monthly drawing to win a free session with me. Um, If booking a session with me, a reading to bring through your angels, spirit guides, and loved ones is something that you want to do, it's actually what keeps this podcast going, the money that I use to keep producing these shows. So if you would like to book a session, I offer a 25 or a 55-minute angel reading or Reiki energy healing. You can learn about all of that and book your session right online at www.jancis.com. That's my last name, .com, and that website, too, is in the show notes. My friends, thank you so, so much for being with us here today. I hope that you have a wonderful start to your week. Remember to open up your heart to all of the blessings that your angels, guides, and loved ones are trying to bring into your life. You know, um, they're talking to me right now, and they're showing me different sessions that I've been through where, like, like I talked about before, there is free will here on earth. But where they are able to step in and protect you, they do. And they will always continue to do that, but there is only so much that they can do. And what they need you to do is to build your spirit team here on earth, the people who are living, the people who can help you. And having a good lawyer, like Liz said, that you can trust, that you can talk to, that you understand what they're saying and it doesn't sound um, like foreign and incomprehensible to you, that's what you need. You need somebody who speaks your language, who you know what they're saying in legal terms and you understand it, you get it. Find that person for yourself, even if you have to go to a couple of people and build your spirit team while you're here on earth, add a lawyer to that team. My friends, I love you so much. They love you so much. Open your heart to those unexpected blessings. Expect miracles this week. God bless. Thank you so much.